Welcome to the King's Cast, dynamic teaching recorded live at King's Church in Cambridge, England. We hope you are blessed and challenged by listening to the ministry today. And now, here's the broadcast. If you're turning your Bibles with me this morning, we're going to look at the Word of God just for a short time, and then you can meet downstairs and carry on socializing, but I've got a word that I believe that God wants to bring to you this morning. And we're going to look at Genesis chapter 45. Genesis 45. I'm reading from the NIV version today. Genesis chapter 45 and verse 1. Now many of you know the story of Joseph. If you've seen the play, you've seen the story of Joseph. I'm I'm going to preach on Joseph and speak about his is life today. And a lot of time when people preach on Joseph, particularly they'll always choose to speak about the dreamer, the, the one who has this dream, who goes through this journey from uh, the, the pit to the palace, as it was, and uh, the fact that he trusted God. And even in those difficult times, we all know the story of Joseph, if you've watched the play. But I just want to focus in today on a particular part of this story that actually is not necessarily, I guess, preached as much. Um, but this part of the story is when Joseph is he's in position in the palace and his brothers, he's not yet revealed himself to them. And his brothers are, have journeyed to him because there's a famine in Canaan and they come to Egypt to get uh, food because Jacob's heard that there's, there's grain, that they need to go and get the grain to get through the famine that's happening that Joseph dreamed of. And uh, when these brothers come and they arrive for the first time, Joseph sees them, he's, he's touched by this, but he never reveals himself in his position he's in. So the second time they come, he sees them again and again he's, he sees them, but he doesn't reveal himself. You know, the thing that happens then is he lets them go, and we're going to look at this in just a moment, but he lets them go, and something extraordinary happens that eventually brings them back into his presence, reveals himself, and a big thing happens which is called forgiveness. Forgiveness. I want to talk today to you about forgiveness because I believe that it is a powerful, powerful thing. Genesis 45, we're going to pick up right now when Joseph reveals himself to his brothers and they receive his forgiveness. Verse 1, then Joseph could no longer control himself. He couldn't hold it back any longer before all his attendants. And he cried out, have everyone leave my presence. So there was no one with Joseph when he made himself known to his brothers. He wept so loudly that the Egyptians heard him and Pharaoh's household heard about it. Joseph said to his brothers, I am Joseph. Is my father still living? But his brothers were not able to answer him because they were terrified at his presence. Then Joseph said to his brothers, come close to me. When they had done so, he said, I am your brother Joseph, the one you sold into Egypt. And now do not be distressed. Don't be angry with yourselves for selling me here because it was to save lives that God sent me ahead of you. For two years now, there's been a famine in the land, and for the next five years, there will be no plowing and reaping. But God sent me ahead of you 
to preserve you for a, a remnant on earth and to save your lives by a great deliverance. So then, it was not with you who sent me here, but God. He made me father to Pharaoh, lord of his entire household and ruler of all Egypt. Now, hurry back, tell my father to my father and say to him, this is what your son Joseph says, God has made me lord of all Egypt. Come down to me, don't delay. You shall live in the region of Goshen and be near me. You and your children and grandchildren, your flocks and your herds and all you have, I will provide for you there because five years of famine are still to come. Otherwise, you and your household and all who belong to you will become destitute. You can see for yourselves, and so can my brother Benjamin, that it is really I who am speaking to you. Tell my father about all the honor accorded me in Egypt and about everything you have seen. And bring my father down here quickly. Then he threw his arms around his brother Benjamin and wept. And Benjamin embraced him weeping. And he kissed all his brothers and wept over them. Afterward, his brothers talked with him. This moment, this scene with Joseph was, I would describe it as a very powerful scene. Why? Because at this moment we see, if we read this, the power of forgiveness. I want to tell you today, and before I begin, there is people right now in here probably thinking, well, I understand what forgiveness is, and, and I get that, but I want to tell you that we have to be reminded about forgiveness because forgiveness is the thing that will change your life. When you learn to forgive people who have hurt you and broken you, you will see a power begin to operate. I mean, we talk about the power of God. We talk about praying for the sick, seeing miracles. We talk about all these magnificent demonstrations of God's power. But let me tell you, there is a power in forgiveness. If you can learn to forgive those who hurt you, Joseph, in this scene, I mean, he's got everything to be angry about. And there are people right now in this room, you've got a reason to be angry with someone for what they've done to you. They've hurt you. They've said something. You've got a grudge against them. You harbor anger and bitterness sometimes inside, yet you come to church and we worship God. But inside, there's something holding on. I want to tell you today that God wants to set people free. And that happens when you forgive someone. It doesn't happen when the preacher prays for you. It doesn't happen when you come to the front and I pray. It happens when you forgive. There is power in forgiveness. And this story alone sums it up. Joseph had every reason to hold a grudge. You see, forgiveness can be the key to your breakthrough. Oh, but no, 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 I don't, I don't want to hear a message on this. I want to hear a message on the miracle working power of God. Forgiveness can be the key to your breakthrough. Or it can be the prison of your purpose if you unforgive. You're not forgiving. 
You can stay in a place of a prison. Let me tell you, forgiveness, this is so important you hear this today, because I really believe, and I believe some of the worship songs we've, we've, we've been singing today, one of them was, he says, uh, forgive me so that I can forgive. Jesus wants you to hear this today. Why? Because there's some people in this room, and I, I believe God spoke to me and said, there are individuals that have got something they're holding on to that they need to let go of because I can't break through in their lives. Do you know that even, even healing can be held back because you can't forgive. Things are held when you can't forgive. Mark chapter 11 verse 24 to 25 says this, whatever you ask, Jesus says, in prayer, believe that you've received it. We love that verse. Some of us are saying, well, why ain't I got it then? I've believed, but I ain't received. He says, believe that you've received it and it will be yours. And when you stand praying, these are Jesus' words, not mine. When you stand praying, if you hold anything against anyone, not just a certain type of people, anyone. Everyone's thinking, oh no. Anyone. Forgive them. This is Jesus. Forgive them. So that your Father in heaven may forgive your sins. Oh, Jesus has forgiven my sins. I gave my life to Jesus years ago. Yes, he has. He paid the price on the cross. But Jesus is saying here, if you cannot learn to forgive others, then how can I forgive you? How can I forgive you? You see, there is power in when you forgive, you receive his forgiveness for your life. And some of us sometimes are actually saying, actually, God, I can't forgive that person. Well, God's saying, until you forgive, I can't forgive you. I can't forgive you for the past. You see, the story of Joseph that we've just read, there's something I find very interesting about this story, and I've never seen it before. But when I read this, and I read Genesis 45, I looked and I thought, wow, this is amazing. Joseph the way he's speaking to them. I mean, he tells them about three times in the passage you've just read. He tells them, guys, don't be distressed. Don't be worried. Don't get upset that you hurt me. Don't get angry. Listen to me. It's God's will, this. Don't get upset, guys. Don't get upset. It's God's will that I'm here. It's God's will that I went through all these seasons, these rough seasons to be here. Guys, just relax. And I'm reading this thinking, wow, this is amazing. Because if you read Genesis 44, you'll read a very different Joseph. Why? I'll tell you why, because you read it, you, we haven't got time to look through it all today. But if you read Genesis 44, the next scene before this scene, and we're not talking years, we're not talking months, we're talking within hours, days. He, this is what happens. Joseph sees his brothers, they have a meal with him, and he sends them away. And the next thing he does is this, he calls the steward of his house. And he says this, he goes, get together guys, I've got a plan. He says, I want you to go down, follow them when they leave, and I want you to plant in one of their sacks a silver cup. My favorite silver cup, you know the one on the, on the mantelpiece. Take that, put it in the bag, put it in Benjamin's bag, the youngest one, 
send them on the way, put extra silver in with their grain, and when they leave, catch up with them. This is the plan. In fact, let's script it. When you get there, ask them who's got it. Because you're going to put pressure on them, and then you're going to search them, and you're going to bring them back to me. Come on, let's, what a good plan. This is going to, this is going to scare them even more. You know, they're already fearful in my presence, but I want you to chase them down, plant something in their bag so they get caught. So this happens. And in Genesis 44, he sends them away. They all go away. The steward is, you know, he's thinking, wow, this is going to be cool. I'm going to, I'm going to chase after them. I'm going to pretend that I don't know where the silver cup is, but I do know because I put it in there last night when they were asleep. And I'm going to go through the bags. In fact, it says this, that when he went through the bags, he starts with the eldest brother first and gets to the youngest. So actually, he goes through and puts, he increases the surprise. You know, it's not in this bag. He doesn't just go straight for... He knows where the cup is because he planted it. But he starts with the oldest brother and goes to the youngest. He increases the suspense. He increases the fear on these brothers. Why is he doing this? It's not because the steward wanted to. It's because Joseph wanted to. Now, he goes through. They find the silver cup in Benjamin's bag in his sack. And then they say, look what you've done. You need to come back. To your brother Joseph. They take him back. Now he's in trouble. Now they've got to stand before him again and tell him why that silver cup is in there, which they'd never even put there. The steward's thinking, I can't believe we're lying here. I can't believe this is happening. Joseph has is, is asked me to do something like this, and we're pretending that they've got a, a cup in the bag. This is all getting out of hand. We shouldn't be lying. Listen, do you know something, Joseph? We all esteem some of these characters in the Bible. And we say, oh, he's an amazing guy. He went through such a, such a journey in his life. And what great forgiveness in Genesis 45. Can I tell you something? No matter who you read about in the Bible, they've got flaws. Including you and me. So no matter who you read about, Joseph is not a perfect man. In fact, I've got a problem with Genesis 44. Because I read it and I realize that the God who you serve today, he does not asks you to hold back forgiveness. He asks you to forgive immediately. The problem is that when flesh gets in the way, there is a pause and we like to play games. We like to hold back and we don't like to forgive people immediately. The title of the message today is this, avoiding your delays. Avoiding your delays. Why why that title? Why? Because I'll tell you why. If I speak to many Christians, they'll say this to me. I feel like I'm in a delay season. And I say, well, do you know, God, there is, is power in that delay. There's power in, in you being in a time and a season where God is holding back. Let me tell you, sometimes in your life, there are delays that you're causing. You think, oh no, it's Jesus is silent on me at the moment, so there's a bit of delay. I can't hear God. He's not doing what I thought he was going to do in this season. I'm not moving in the direction that God wanted me to move. I'll tell you why you're not moving. It's because you're delaying it. You're delaying it because there is things that's holding you. There's unforgiveness in your heart, and God is saying, until you stop playing games... And still, until you can forgive, I cannot release the breakthrough. 
Unforgiveness is a powerful thing, and it will delay your life. In fact, actually, what, what Joseph says in this whole story says this. He says, this is all God's plan. Do you know what he was doing when he was playing the silver cup test? He was wasting time. Wasting time. You see, he had two opportunities when he saw his brothers in front of him to forgive them immediately. He said, guys, do you know who I am? This is God's plan. I want to tell you who I am. But he didn't. He waited twice, then lets them go, and then plays a game. Some of us in our lives right now, you've got people who you're delaying your forgiveness on. Why? Because you're waiting for them to say sorry to you. You're waiting for them to do it first. And God, he wants you to forgive them. You know, the other day, Emma said to me, they had problems getting the bags through into, into, into Iraq. She was on the phone to me and she said this. She said, I said, is there anything you need me to pray for at the moment? She says, pray for a delay. I mean, I've never heard anyone say that, have you? Pray for a delay on the flight. I mean, most people are wanting the flight to be on time. Pray for a delay because we want, we want to make sure we get the bags in time that have been delayed, that have been missed on the flight. Some of us today, there are delays that you can stop. You've just got to forgive. You know someone right now in your mind, God shows you in your heart who that is. See, the problem is this. We all want an apology. We're waiting for the apology. We're waiting for someone to say, I'm sorry. Can I just give you some real good advice today? It won't take long. The apology isn't coming. You know, I've been waiting for some apologies for quite a while now. You know, I, I could sit at my inbox waiting for them to come in. You know, in fact, there's that many different things now. Facebook, chat, all the, I'm waiting for all these things. All of the avenues where I have been hurt, I'm waiting at all those avenues to be forgiven, for, for forgiveness and an apology. But they ain't coming. Do you know why? Because people are not thinking about what you're thinking about. It's time to move on. It's time to let them go and to forgive them. Because if you don't, the enemy, Satan, he is trying to steal your life. While ever you're in a place of unforgiveness, you harbor bitterness. You build up bitterness in your heart to the point where you cannot function. And I want to tell you today that God, it's good news because God wants to give you the ability by his spirit to be able to forgive people for whatever they have done. There is nothing, nothing that can separate you from the love of God. Look at yourself what you've done. But yet He loves you. He loves you so much. We all wanted that apology. Joseph, he was owed an apology. I'll tell you what happened. The apology, the expected apology owned him. Because it harbored his heart. So he thought, I just want, before I move on, I know that it's God's plan that all this happened. I know I'm here and I know that everything that happened is for a reason. But before I do let God move me on, I'm just going to play a little game. Just, I just want to hang in there just a little bit longer and enjoy this and move forward later. But God, just hold back. Let us do this silver cup game first. All the time, God's looking, saying, forgive them. Forgive them. 
no matter what they've done, forgive them. Genesis 45 verse 1, it says Joseph could no longer control himself before all his attendants. He says he wept so loudly that all the Egyptians heard him in Pharaoh's household. Listen to me. There is something that tells me here that was building up inside of him. He says that the previous time they visited him, he had to walk out of the room and console himself because he was, he was weeping inside another room and then he had to prepare himself to go back through. Listen, when you hold, bit, when there is bitterness in your heart and you hold unforgiveness in your heart, you'll build something up inside of you and it will eventually explode. He released himself in verse 1. He says he could not control himself any longer. And he wept. I'll tell you what you need to do today. Some of you need to break once and for all. Let it go. Release it. Because it's taking hold of you. He could not control himself any longer. The first thing is that unforgiveness wastes valuable time. This is one of the things. It, it wastes time. You see, when Joseph did what he did, he was wasting time. How do I know this? Well, if we look in Genesis 45 verse 9, what you read earlier, it says this, the moment, the moment he forgives them all, this is what he says to them. Now, Hurry back. Hurry to my father and say to him, this is what your son Joseph says. God has made me Lord of all Egypt. Come down to me and don't delay. You shall live in the region of Goshen and be near me, you and your children and grandchildren, your flocks and herds, all you have, I will provide for you there because five years of famine are still to come. I see in his words here a sense of urgency that the moment he forgives them, he realizes there ain't no time. Now, get back to dad. Tell him quick. Don't delay. We've got to get moving. There's another five years of famine. There's not enough time. Well, why wasn't he speaking like this when he was playing games? Because forgiveness will release God's agenda. It takes your personal agenda away. And it, it reinstalls in you God's purpose, plan, agenda. You begin to realize that the kingdom of God is more important than your problems. You begin to realize that the kingdom of God is more important than that problem that someone said something to you. Why? Because when you forgive them, you realize time is short. Do you know, I was reading the other day, and someone said this, that in the, 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 the generation we live in, that time is the most precious commodity. He says that more and more people today are spending their money to get someone else to do a job for them so they can spend time with people more than ever before. So rather than buying goods to please themselves, they buy people's time to do a job for them so they can spend more time. Because they realize life is moving quickly. There ain't much time to waste. I'm telling you something very important today. Jesus wants you to know your time is not in your hands. It's in his hands. And time is running out. He is coming back soon. 
And when he returns, the reward will be in his hand. But listen, don't waste your time on earth. Don't waste it. Don't waste it by harboring unforgiveness. Because you're actually in a waiting room. You ain't doing anything. When you harbor unforgiveness, you hold yourself back. Max Licardo said this, forgiveness is unlocking the door to set someone free and realizing that you were the prisoner. It's true. Actually, until you do it, you don't realize how much of a prisoner you are to this. Someone once said, forgiveness doesn't change the past, but it does change the future. You see, the problem is you can't change your past by forgiving someone. If they've hurt you, you can't change that. But you can change your future. And there isn't much time. Joseph says, hurry back. Tell my father to come back. Don't delay. Don't delay. Get him to come quick. There's not much time. I bet they were thinking, well, why have you been messing around then playing games? Tell him to come back quick. In fact, there's five more years of famine coming. We've got to get sorted. We've got to get you in position. We've got to get your households. We've got to get everything sorted. Time is not on our side. If only you realized this before. Listen, do you know, we were just saying the other day that as we get older now, there are more and more people that we get invited to funerals. We realize that life is short. Do you know none of us, including me, know when our last hour is? There's more and more diseases. There's more and more problems coming. Do not let unforgiveness rob you of your last few years. The Bible describes, it says that our life is but a vapor. A vapor. Oh, but you don't realize what they said to me. You don't realize what they did to me. Do you know what I'm beginning to realize? That Jesus, he allowed them to beat him till he was marred beyond human description. He had every reason on the cross to look down and say, I can't do this. You're mocking me. You're laughing at me. You've wounded me. You've beaten me. You don't believe me. But he didn't. He said, forgive them. For they know not what they do. Forgive them. For they know not what they do. The problem is some of you today and me, we end up spending our lives playing silver cup tests. Oh, I'm just going to see whether... If I just don't, if I don't send that email to apologize, I'm going to wait and see. In fact, I'm just going to play a little game. I'm going to let them do it first until I can, God, you understand, if I get that apology, I can move on. It's a release for me. God, I'm going to, in fact, I'm going to pray tonight that the apology comes and I'm going to hang on in there. But God is saying to you, no matter what they've done, email them first. Send them an email. Send them a letter. Go and take some flowers today and send an email or whatever you want to do, but forgive that person. I met someone on the street not long back, prayed for her. She got healed, her back. Do you know what she did? The next day she texted me. She didn't tell me anything about the healing much. She said, oh, my back's okay. But she was more, more interested in telling me on the, on the text message, this is someone on the street, that she'd gone to her mother's to forgive her mother. 
Why? Because God revealed himself so much on the street to her that she went intently to forgive her mother for something she'd done years ago. Why? Because God healed her. She wasn't interested in talking about her back condition. She was interested in telling me, I want to forgive her. Why? Because I realize God's bigger than me. There is power in forgiveness. Ephesians 5, verse 15 to 17, Paul says, be very careful how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity. The King James Version says, redeem the time. Redeem the time. Make the most of every opportunity. Why? Because the days are evil. Listen to me today. You have a job to do, and that's to make most of every single second you have for Jesus. Don't waste your time. Make the best use. The prayer of Moses in Psalm 90 says this, teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. Wow. Teach us, Lord, to number our days. That's my prayer today. God, teach me to really value time. Because if I value time, I'm not going to waste time. May that be your prayer today for God to to, to really put in your heart That value of time. Number two today is this unforgiveness ruins vital relationships. It doesn't just waste time, but it will ruin vital relationships. Satan's agenda is to divide. Do you know that? His agenda is to divide key relationships. You see, in this, when unforgiveness is at play, what's happening is actually is that Joseph is threatening God's plan and destiny. His plan is to bring them all together. But when Joseph plays around and holds back in unforgiveness, playing tests, he's actually holding the plan of God. He's holding God's agenda. And he's actually dividing relationship. There are people that you're going to need, do you know that? To move forward in your life. No matter whether they've hurt you, no matter what they've said to you, you're going to need them. Listen to me. There are people in my four, four years been here who have been in this church and gone. They move on. People always move on. They move on. But you know what? I've seen people move on and I've realized you shouldn't have moved on. And I don't just say that because I believe that sometimes people need to work together. Do you know what? Life is hard. It's very difficult to work with people sometimes, isn't it? But let me tell you something. You've got to hang on in there. Because otherwise we'd all walk away. You've got to learn to journey with people that it's tough. You've got to learn to journey in your life with people that's very hard sometimes. But listen to me. If you can learn that, it's called forgiveness. It's called letting things go. It's called moving forward. Because if you don't, this church would divide. The enemy wants to bring division. I can spot it from a mile off. When I see things at work, I can see when division comes into play. We've got to learn to get above that because we're people of God. 
We've got to learn to say, do you know what? I'm not going to allow Satan to divide. I'm not going to allow him to spoil the plans because there's a destiny for this church. There's a destiny for this place. There's a destiny to see the kingdom of God come and to see revival. It's my heart. But listen, revival can't come if relationships are divided. It can't, God cannot move in a people when they're broken with each other. You've got to learn to let things go because God cannot flow through you. He cannot use you and he cannot bless you. The presence of God can fill this house. But while ever we harbor resentment and anger towards one another, he ain't moving. And I long for the day when God moves in this place and he brings us to our knees and breaks us. He breaks us when we realize the importance of time and values of relationships. Let that be your prayer. You want to see revival? Don't just cry out for revival. Be revival by being someone who forgives. Forgiveness has power. When you hold your grudge, you pause that agenda. Genesis 45, verse 4 to 5, Joseph said to his brothers, come close to me. When they had done so, he said, I'm your brother Joseph, the one you sold into Egypt. And now, don't be distressed. Don't be angry with yourselves for selling me here. Because it was to save lives that God sent me ahead of you. I find that amazing. Just one chapter before he's chasing them down. Now he's saying to them, it's all God's plan. God's forgiveness for you is amazing. Do you know, if you really study who you are as a person, you'll realize there's a lot of things wrong. There's a lot of things wrong with me. We fail God so much. The Bible says our righteousness is like filthy rags before Him. We need Him. We sung a song earlier, Majesty, Majesty, your grace has found me just as I am. Am. Not, Jesus, you found me. Look at how good I look. I'm a good Christian. Look how amazing I am. You know, I'm in the worship team or I, I'm preaching or I'm, I'm doing, look at me. No, your grace has found me just as I am. All the airs and graces, all the problems. You love me. You've forgiven me so that I can forgive people. This might be quite hard for some people today, but I want to tell you there is a power available right now in this place for you. And there's a person in your mind now you know you need to forgive. You know that they've done something to you and you need to let it go. It's time to stop chasing them and playing games. See, unforgiveness has the power to separate influence. If Joseph would have carried on playing his games, those relationships would have broken. If he wouldn't have forgiven his brothers, then the relationships would have been disconnected. There's another story in Genesis 13, and it's about Abraham and his nephew Lot. And they get to a position, and we're going to read it now in verse 5. It says this, Now Lot, who was moving about when Abraham also had flocks and herds and tents, the land could not support them while they stayed together for their possessions were so great that they were not able to stay together 
and quarreling arose between Abraham's herders and Lot's. When I read this and I realized these were people who should have stayed together. It says that their possessions were so great that they couldn't stay together. Let me tell you something. In our lives, in relationships, when we're doing things for God, sometimes our gifts and the things that we have exceed our relationships and we forget what's more valuable. Their possessions became the thing that destroyed them. Your gifts and abilities in the kingdom of God and in church can sometimes go above relationships to the point where you put them on a pedestal. Giftings become higher than your relationships. And this we see here, that quarreling arose, not because they just didn't get on, but because their stuff, there wasn't enough room. I don't know what gifts and things that you focus on more above your relationships. But today's a day for you to say, do you know what? It's time to stop looking at my agenda, my ministry, the things that I want, the things that I want to do. And if no one wants to listen to me about that, listen, I want to tell you today, your key thing is your relationships. Because that's the thing that's going to help us move forward together. Relationships sticking together. He says that quarreling arose. I don't know about you, but when I was first going out with Emma, we used to argue quite a bit. Oh, that's got you laughing. You see, I, I, I tend not to argue now. I just tell, I walk out of the house, just leave her to it. It's just so much easier. It's true. By the way, I'm not a perfect man, but I'm going to tell you something. When we used to, when I was first going out with Emma, I wasn't a Christian and. One day we were driving out of, out of Cambridge on our way home from work. We used to work together. And I was driving out and we had a little quarrel in the car. Has anyone had one of those before? We had this little quarrel. And do you know what? I thought, I'm going to prove a point. I said, stop the car. I'm getting out. I didn't think she'd stop the car. <laughs> she stopped the car. She said, get out then. I thought, does she really mean it? I said, well, are you sure? I said, hang on a sec. So we had a little talk first and she was she was sure you know the door you can leave if you want and so then I thought well if I get out I've got to walk home and I'm telling you I was three miles from home and so I got out of the car and I stood she drove straight she didn't give any chance she was off she was off I was stood there at the side of the road I was more shocked that she left and I looked, she, she, I thought, all I thought is I've got three miles to walk. How am I going to get home? I've got no money. I didn't think she'd go. I thought she'd treat that as something, this is now serious. This is level two. <laughs> For her, it was, I'm just going home. I need to get home and have my dinner. She didn't care. She just left me. I'm telling you this because she's not here. <laughs> I just hope she, just block this out of the podcast. <laughs> I'm only joking. And so she left me and I was on the street. I was stood there on the street and I thought, I was, I was angry. You know, I was angry because it was, it was her who was the problem. But the, the problem is she was angry with me. We were angry with each other. 
over something that got us to the point where we divided and I jumped out of the car. She drove off. The next thing I did, do you know what I thought? I'm going to now prove a point. I'm going to show her that I, am, I haven't walked home. I got a lift home. So I hitched a ride. I did. It worked. It's amazing. People in Cambridge are actually nice. I put my hand out and someone stopped. I don't know if it was an angel. He stopped. I was hoping he was going to say to me, I understand what you're going through, sir. Jump in. He stopped the car. He said, what's the problem? Where are you going? I said, I'm only going three miles up the road. I got in the car. I actually told him what I said. I've just fallen out with my girlfriend. I said, she's left me. She's gone home. And now I need to get back. He goes, no worries. I'll take you there. And this was even better because I, I, now I could walk in the house sooner than she expected. You know, I'm, I'm back. You thought you could stop me? Well, I'm back. I walked in. She didn't, she didn't raise her eyebrows. She didn't care. I realized something. I was in that car with a stranger driving home. Listen to me. Some of us in our lives will like Abraham and Lot. We've jumped out of the car. We were journeying with someone. You are in a position now where you're struggling with people. You're struggling with relationships. You're struggling because of unforgiveness, resentment, anger. And you have ju- you're tempted to get out of the car and stay there to prove a point. But listen to me. You get out of the car and you're hindering destiny. You do not want to be traveling with strangers that are not part of God's plan. God wants you to stay in the car to keep journeying because anger and resentment will destroy his plan. It will delay God's plan for your life. And I want to tell you some news today. It's time to stay in the passenger seat because that passenger seat's got your name written on it and you shouldn't be jumping out of any car. You've got to travel and you've got to go where God wants to take you. Joseph recognized that God's agenda was priority. It's his priority for you today. You see, sometimes our gifts and abilities distract. In Sermon of the Mount, in Matthew chapter 5, Jesus says this, if you're offering your gift at the altar, remember that your brother or sister has something against you. Leave your gift there in front of the altar. First go and be reconciled to them, then come and offer your gift. I find this amazing when I read this. Because what I realize is this. You might be thinking, well, that's me giving a gift at church. That's me putting my, my Iraq money in. You know, that's me putting my offering in or my tithe and I've come and I'm giving my financial gift. Listen, I believe that you can come and you can bring gifts in ministry. You can bring gifts in preaching. You can give gifts in worship. You can give gifts in working on the cafe. You can be bringing your gift. What God is saying here is this. Look, I don't want what you can do. I don't want all your skills and abilities and ministry gifts. I want you to go and reconcile because that is more important than the gift. So, listen to me. Now, I don't want all the worship leaders and everyone just to leave on a Sunday morning. But listen to me. And I'm not saying that the worship leaders have got some problem with forgiveness. But listen. I'm just using you as an example. But any one of us, you're on the coffee counter. Whatever you're doing, listen to me. If you need to go and forgive someone, I don't care whether no one gets coffee. You need to go and do it. 
Because I don't want you working for God and doing something for God if you hold resentment in your heart. Why? Because you're not doing anything for God. He's saying to you right now, go and sort the problem out. Now, if we were in a church of 5,000 people with five services and an itinerary plan, that would be a big problem. But listen to me, I don't care because we could be doing lots of things for God. We could be fulfilling the itinerary. But if our hearts are not right, if we're not forgiving our brothers and sisters, our gifts mean nothing. They mean nothing. I've learned something now. When we have a problem or a disagreement, do you know what I do? I just I keep quiet. It's so easy. So, guys, a bit of advice for you. Just be quiet. Just let it go. This, life's so short. It's amazing what you can accomplish in 10 minutes if you just be quiet. It's amazing. I've learned just to let things go. And I've learned if you do that in all manner of things in life, just try and let things go. You can focus on the priorities. Because the enemy, listen, he's trying to destroy our our destinies, our priorities in God. He loves it when you've got a problem with someone. Absolutely loves it. It's time to let go. Finally, number three, unforgiveness withholds future blessing. There is so much blessing that was coming to Joseph's brothers. You know, um, he was giving them a house. He was giving them not just a bit of grain in a sack. He wasn't just going to say, listen, guys, I'll send you a a year's worth of grain. And I'll send it to Canaan. No, he said, you're moving here. I'm bringing you all here. I'm giving you houses. I'm sorting every one of you out. This is what it was. There was blessing ready for them. And listen, forgiveness, when you forgive someone, can I tell you something today? You open up the windows of heaven upon your life. Someone, some of us saying, oh, do you know, tithing, that will open up the windows of heaven on my life. Yes, tithing is something that God will rebuke the devourer. Giving will open up the windows of heaven into our lives. But I'm telling you something. God wants to bring increased measure of blessing when you forgive. Unforgiveness withholds future blessing. He said, I will provide for you there because five years of famine are still to come. Otherwise, you and your household and all who belong to you will become destitute. He knew that if he left them, that they would be destitute. But he wanted to bless them. C.S. Lewis said this, to be a Christian means to forgive the inexcusable. Because God has forgiven the inexcusable in you. No matter what you think is acceptable. He accepts anything that you've done wrong. I want to just show you something now as we look at this idea of where blessing comes. Next week in your life groups, you're going to be looking at Luke chapter 6. And we're going to, it's not what I'm going to show you now, but you're going to look at the verses prior to this, which is kind of focuses a lot on what we're saying today as well. But I want you to look at this in Luke 6, 38. This is one of the most misquoted scriptures today. It says this, give and it will be given to you. A good measure. Oh, we love that. <laughs> Pressed down. We're not sure what that means. <laughs> Shaken together and running over. 
We absolutely want that in our lives. Will be poured into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. This is the kind of scripture people use when they say, give and you're going to get it all back. And it's going to flow over in your life. But if you actually look at the position of this scripture, it's set right in the heart where Jesus talks about murder. He talks about judging people. Just before that, in verse 37, he talks about judging others. Then after it, straight after this, he talks about seeing the problem with someone else and you've got a speck in your own eye. The plank in your own eye. You see the speck in someone's eye, you've got a plank in your eye. He's talking about judging other people. So right in the heart of him talking about judging, seeing someone else's problem, he lands in and puts in verse 38. And he says... Give and it will be given to you. He's talking about forgiveness. He's not talking about your money. Although it does work. You know, you do give and God blesses you. So the principle is correct. The scripture is misquoted. Why? Because the truth is, what Jesus is saying here, and this, you've got to get hold of this today, because he's saying, if you give, if you forgive people, if you do this, let me tell you what is going to happen. You're going to receive forgiveness, and it's going to be running over in your life. It's going to be pressed down. It's going to be so much you ain't got room to contain the love of God that's flowing into you. I don't know about you, but I want that more than money. I want to put this into practice more than giving and seeing if I get tenfold back. I want to see this happen. And what he's saying, Jesus, is the very principle that you, if you have unforgiveness, will withhold blessing. I want to encourage you today, go away from here and say, do you know what? I am going to open up the winds of heaven on my life because I want to feel the love of God. There are some people right now in this room, I feel that you have thought in your heart, God, I just don't feel God loves me. I don't feel he loves me. Listen, you want to feel he loves you? Forgive. Forgive. There's a secret in the word forgive. It's the second part. Give, give, and it'll be given back to you more than you can contain. What measure are you using for your forgiveness over someone else's life? What measure do you use? He says the measure you use will be measured back to you. So you've got your measuring stick of There's a limit to which I'm going to forgive. But when it gets to this level, I can't go that far. It's too bad. I've been on the streets. I've talked to people and they've said to me, I understand forgiving people, but how can you forgive someone who's killed someone, killed a child, done this? Listen to me. If God removes sin from the earth, you're going to have to say bye to yourself. Because you are a sinner. We're all sinners. And you haven't got the time to be judging whether someone's got a higher level of measure of sin than you. Because if you want to do that, then God can spend a lot of time judging you. I'm not the judge, but he is. 
we all fall short of his glory. If the team could just come back, that'd be great. You know, one thing I love about this story is that Joseph paints a picture of Jesus. He paints a picture of Jesus Christ. Why? Because Jesus forgives us all our sins. Jesus was in a position where he spoke about the future just like Joseph. He said, I'm going to die. Then I'll be raised back to life again. This is what's going to happen. I'm telling you about the future. I'm telling you about what all the prophets have said. I'm telling you about the dream. Jesus had a dream just like Joseph. He had a dream. What was his dream? I'm telling you what was his dream. His dream was to save you. His dream was to save you. Joseph said, the purpose, the reason that I'm here is to save you. And to save a nation. Jesus Christ had a dream just like Joseph. To save you. To forgive you of all your sins. Do you know, Joseph, he says he went from the pit. Then he gets to the palace. Jesus Christ stepped into the pit of hell. To purchase your place in heaven. Jesus went through a journey just like Joseph. He went through people ridiculing him, putting him down, beating him, putting him to the cross. He went through to the pit of hell to buy your place in heaven. And now, just like Joseph was positioned in the palace, he's seated in the highest place and he's given the name above all names. Jesus is like Joseph. It was a picture painted of the one to come that would show the greatest forgiveness to all humanity. Hallelujah. His message to you today is this, I forgive you. Why? Because if you receive it, you'll avoid the future famine. There is a famine coming on this earth. There is a famine coming on this earth when people have not received the blessing of the forgiveness of Jesus. When you don't receive the gift, you're going to be subject to the famine. And he says, I want you to come because I've prepared a place for you. I've got a place for you. I've got a place for you to be with me my spirit to reside inside of you. The reason I'm here is all because my father sent me so I could save you and save a nation, save the world. That's why I'm here. Listen to me, a famine's coming. A famine is coming on this earth where people, they've trusted in other things, but a famine is coming. It's a poverty in spirit. Jesus says, I've got the grain. I've got everything you need. I've got everything you need. I've prepared a place. I've forgiven you. No matter what you've done, now forgive others. 
thank you for listening and we trust that the Word of God has inspired you today. For further information about King's Church or to access our large archive of other recordings, go to www.kingscambridge.org. If you're listening on iTunes, we would love you to leave us some feedback. God bless and goodbye.